Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today, for this opportunity to be in community, in your household, to worship you. You give strength to us when we're weary. You increase our power, our vitality when we're weak. We couldn't understand you no matter how hard we tried, and for that reason, You are God, and we thank you for your love and your mercy this morning, for the bright sunshine on the cold, crisp mornings, for the birds returning for the spring. We thank you for all of the blessings, great and small, and for Lord Jesus, who's over all. In your name we pray, amen. Do you like my little rhyme there? I thought that was cute. All right. So uh, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 17 this morning. If you want to flip along, probably a pretty familiar story to most of us. Uh, Whether or not you're even raised in church, you've probably heard the name Goliath once or twice. Yeah. There's even a frog named after Goliath. Fun fact. Uh, it's in Africa, and it can eat small birds. Uh, its full name is the, uh, I believe, I don't remember if it's Goliath bird-eating frog or the bird-eating Goliath frog, but it, it eats various small animals, including birds. Um, I like birds, by the way. I have a bird feeder. Uh, it's, it's a recent installation at the house, and I like it, which means I'm not going to be getting any large frogs in the near future. All right. Enough time stalling. If you were flipping your Bible, I'm going to start reading. And if you weren't flipping, I hope you enjoyed my anecdote about frogs. Wow, good to know. All right, starting in verse 40. And he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, And with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those who gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give all of you into our hands. 
As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. Praise God for his word. and his Lord God, we thank you for the strength you give us. We thank you that we can look to these examples in the Bible and remember how you have been with your people in the hardest and most challenging of times. Not that you spared them from those moments, but that you helped them endure through them. We thank you in your precious and heavenly name. Amen. All righty, the children in age, not in heart, are now permitted to scoot off to children's church. So that means most of you guys have to stay, unfortunately. Morning. How are we doing? Good. All right. Glad to hear it. So as I was thinking about preparing for this sermon, I realized that the whole idea of facing your giants is something that we talk about over and over again. We hear it in songs. Uh, there's a whole Christian movie called Facing the Giants, right? And so I'm actually kind of going to do my best to avoid that entire trope as we go through this story. I picked five different things that stuck out to me, like the five smooth stones that David picked out, and we're going to talk about them. And so we're going to kind of jump around from a few verses, and we're pretty much going to avoid the whole idea of slaying Goliath. Now, that's not to say that that's not an important part of the story or that that's not an important thing to embrace. Obviously, we all have struggles in life, and being able to rely on the Lord to face those struggles and overcome those barriers that seem impossible to go through is important. In fact, that's probably what the stone that's sitting in your pocket is reminding you of. But I also recognize that there's so much more to glean from this story. And so I'm not neglecting the importance of that message. But that's not the sermon that I'm giving today. So I just wanted to give you that forewarning before we get into things. It really helps when I turn this thing on. All right, the first verses we're going to look at uh, are verses 10 and 11. It says, Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. My first point here is that the world around us hates our Lord. When Goliath stood up and made this challenge, he wasn't just putting down the Israelites. He wasn't just being all big and strong and saying, oh man, I'm the biggest, baddest guy around and, you know, you guys can't face me, you can't handle me. He talks about how they are the armies of Israel. Later on in the chapter, he curses them in the name of his gods. He's putting down the people of God. 
he's not just standing up against individuals. He's not just standing up against an army. In many ways, he's putting down our Lord. That's one of the things David objects to later on in the story. That's one of the things that upsets him and gets him going about why isn't somebody standing up to this guy? Why isn't somebody saying something? He's not just being big and tall and mighty. Oh, I meant to bring my measuring tape today. I think it's sitting in my office. Goliath was estimated to be about nine feet tall. Because of the whole coronavirus thing and the chicken and biscuit dinner happening today, we're not going to do a field trip, but if you go into the gymnasium, nine feet tall is about to the bottom of the basketball net. The rim is usually in like a standard basketball court, 10 feet tall, uh, and I'm not a super tall guy. I'm like, I don't know, 5'8 or so. So when I stick my arm up, it's probably only about 8 feet tall, but when I jump, I can get the net. Uh, so... That's somewhere around nine-ish feet. That's a big guy. I don't know about you, but if somebody said that I was going to go and fight somebody, that's not who I would sign up for. That's a little bit above my weight bracket. On a good day when I'm soaking wet fresh out of the rain, I'm about a buck fifty. I'm pretty sure his sword weighed more than me. Maybe not. That might be a little bit of an exaggeration. But he's a big dude. Standing up to a whole army of people. And no one wanted to come out and confront him. Even though he was putting down the Lord. It doesn't directly say it, but I kind of think of it almost as blasphemy. It's this big strong guy. And he's putting down not only God's people, but whether directly or indirectly, putting down the Lord. Now, here in the United States, we are blessed in many, many ways with religious freedom. But I do think that this is something that we kind of encounter a little bit more regularly than open, bold-faced persecution, getting beaten up and imprisoned. But boy, do people like to pick at religion. They view science as this new god that can't be in any way squandered or related to organized religion. And they just kind of pick at it. In a similar way, Goliath was... Looking down, he was condescending the nation of Israel, the armies of Israel, and the God of Israel, picking them apart. So I want to encourage you to recognize that the world hates our Lord and to recognize that this is a problem that we still have today. It might not be a nine-foot-tall guy swinging a huge sword. It might be your coworker who makes fun of you for praying at lunch. I'm not saying he's your enemy or that you need to throw a rock at his head. That's a bad plan. But I am saying that we face that sort of condescension. That's very common. 
I remember there was one time when I was in high school where someone was kind of dumbstruck, and they're like, wait a minute, are you telling me you don't believe in evolution? And I was like, yeah, I've actually got a whole list of reasons why I disagree with it, and it's not all just the Bible. So if you want to talk to me about it at some point, I'm glad. And the conversation ended there. They didn't really want to hear anything more about it, but they were just dumbstruck. Our world does not want to accept that. And we face that on a regular basis. That's the first thing I noticed in the story. The next first chunk is a little bit later. Uh, our first, I, I'm going through the order, or the, yeah, the order sequentially. So uh, we're hopping around the story, but we are going from beginning to end. So a little bit later, we see verse 28. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger. And he asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. His brother saying, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be watching the sheep. You're leaving behind your chores. And for what? You probably just wanted to come and see the bloody violent battle which, I mean, you know, was a while before TV, uh, was a while before, you know, being able to sit down and watch football. There wasn't that sort of activity going on. And so some people might have found that sort of thing amusing. Actually, we know a lot of people found that sort of thing amusing. That's how we ended up with things like the Colosseum. Uh, and so that's more or less what his brother is saying is, you're just shirking off your responsibilities to come here and watch the battle. Go home and grow up. We have to stand up for what's right, and sometimes that's going to be hard. It's my second point is that we're supposed to stand up, not stand by. David recognized that what Goliath was doing when he was putting down the armies of Israel, was unacceptable, and he wanted to stand up. He wanted to say, no, that's not okay. Somebody's got to go take care of this guy. But his brother was getting in his way. Sometimes, whether it's just because going against the flow is uncomfortable, or because people don't understand or see things the same way, sometimes it's hard to stand up for what's right. Sometimes people who are close to you might try and interfere with that. Sometimes those who you love might actually be leading you astray. Now, that's not to say you shouldn't trust anyone or that you should make all of your decisions on your own independently and not listen to those around you who love you. That would be terrible advice, and that's not at all what I'm saying. But in this particular circumstance, David's brother is getting between David and what the Lord has in store for him and what the Lord has in store for the nation of Israel. And those can be real problems, real struggles. I don't know what the Lord has in store for each and every one of you, but you need to be attentive to that and you need to make sure that when the Lord is calling you to do something, 
even if it's difficult, even if it's scary, even if it's weird, to stand up. I don't know how true this is, but I have often heard it cited that more people are afraid of public speaking than they are of death. Why that is, I don't know, but I also do it sort of for a living, so uh, there's a little bit of a discrepancy there, uh, and maybe that says something weird about me. I might be the weird one. I am the weird one, but for other reasons, I'm sure. So for me, this is not something super difficult. This is something I'm almost used to. It's still a little bit weird, especially with the camera now. Everything I say is indelible. It's live streaming. There is no safety net. Huh? Yeah, no editing. Now, there was actually, there was one time where... Um, Back when we first started doing this and we had the church doors closed down and whatnot, I was talking about the parable of the Good Samaritan, and I accidentally misquoted it, uh, and I put up like a little slider, a little disclaimer at the bottom, and I was like, oops, I said this, but I didn't mean this, I meant this. Uh, And there have been times where, uh, you know, Dan or I make little blunders like that. Uh, I think Dan said Joseph instead of Joshua a couple weeks ago. Little things like that, and it was something small. But those things happen. And it's okay. And sometimes when we're trying those new things, and when we're being stretched by the Lord, we might make mistakes. And that's okay. There was a whole class on spiritual gifts that was done by Rachel Stedman a couple months back. Uh, Rachel and Tim, and I don't know who all was there. Uh, But it was a good little class, and they went through this book on spiritual gifts. Oftentimes, when we are discovering those things, it requires stretching yourself to a point where you're uncomfortable, doing things that might not feel right. But boy, are those growing experiences. Doing something that stretches you outside of your comfort zone or putting you in a place where you don't quite fit in can reveal a lot about yourself, where you need to grow, and might even show you gifts that you didn't even know you had. So I want to urge you, even if it's not comfortable, to stand up for what's right. And he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. My next point here is that God uses who we are today, not who he wants us to be tomorrow. David had the opportunity to have the finest military equipment available at the time. But he didn't choose that. He chose what he was comfortable with. He chose where he was at that moment. Yeah, I made that meme earlier this week. I was thinking about this sermon. So, for those of you who would like a little more context, 
Uh, this is what is often referred to as a meme. It is, generally speaking, a compilation of or an individual picture that is taken from some sort of pop culture reference, though it doesn't have to be. It can oftentimes just be a picture with no context, but a general understanding of what's going on by looking at it. Here, this is from a music video. And the first picture, he's like, Bleh. So he's saying no to something. And then in the second picture, he's like, oh yeah, all right. So David here, he's like, uh-uh, I don't want Saul's armor. I'm going to take some rocks. When you think about going to battle against a foe who seems impossible to take down, if I was going to go to war with China tomorrow, which I am not, by the way, uh, I, I am one <laughs> individual person, I have, I have no particular political vendetta against any nation <laughs> as an individual human being, but, <laughs> but just for the sake of argument, if I was going to take on an entire country, particularly one with a huge population, I would probably not go with a handful of rocks. Probably not, you know, what you would think of, right? David, he was going up against someone who was nine feet tall. Like that tall. Let's see. Yeah, probably, probably about to the bottom of the picture from me. The bottom of where the picture starts. That's probably about how tall was Goliath was, give or take. I wouldn't want to fight someone that tall with a rock. I wouldn't want to fight someone that tall with a 9mm handgun, which is what the rock was compared to when he measured the momentum of the rock traveling at 115 feet per second. If you know much about self-defense and handguns, a 9mm is a very good option. But if you're shooting someone who's 9 feet tall, I would want something much larger than a 9mm handgun. That is a big person. That's not to say you couldn't kill them with a 9mm handgun. But I'm just saying I would want something a little bit stouter. David had the option to take Saul's armor and weapons. Saul was like, okay, I'm not going to be able to talk you out of this. Why don't you go try on my armor? And he did, and he was like, I haven't tested this stuff out. I haven't trained in it. I'm not comfortable with it. I'm not going to use it. And he used what the Lord had used to deliver him with before. As a shepherd boy, he was out tending the flocks. He was defending from bears and lions. And he was able to take them out. And he used those abilities that he had, those experiences that he had, and he put that forward into taking on Goliath. He used what God had done in his life before. He used his experiences. He used what the Lord had given him up to that point, and that is what he took on Goliath with. I know Dan talks about this all the time. 
And I'll be honest, I hadn't ever heard anybody say uh, until I started working here uh, that someone wouldn't go into church because the walls would fall in on them if they did. I, I kind of thought that that was just not quite a joke, but then I was literally talking to someone and they used, if not word for word, that exact phrase. And I was like, huh, I didn't... I guess for me, because I was, I'd grown up in the church, I'd been in the church my whole life, that was something that I didn't really connect with and didn't understand. But there are people out there who feel that way, legitimately. God's not worried about who you're going to be in five years when it comes to calling you to do something today. He's not saying you've got to get your ducks in a row. He's not saying you've got to be the best hand-to-hand combat person on the world to take on Goliath. He didn't send David off to go train to be a military expert from the day he was born until the day he took on Goliath. If you were going to send a kid to take on Goliath, that's probably what you would do, right? You'd pick someone who was like the general's son, and he grew up playing with you know sticks and was using a sword by the age of seven and practically lived you know at the little archery hut where he would practice his bow and arrow skills along with his swordsmanship and throwing the javelin. You would want someone who was a military expert, and this was a kid, probably an early teenager, who spent most of his days out with the sheep. God will use who you are today, not who you could be, not who you wish you were. God will use who you are today. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Our real strength comes from the Lord. David didn't say, I'm coming at you with rocks. That's what he had. He had his staff, and he had his sling, and he had some stones. He didn't say, I'm coming at you with a stick and some rocks. That's what Goliath said. Goliath said, what am I, a dog? You're chasing after me with a stick? David didn't say, yeah, I'm coming at you with a stick. He said, no, I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord. He didn't say to Goliath, I'm going to take you down like I've taken down those bears and those lions. He said, I come at you in the name of the Lord. He recognized that that's truly where his strength comes from. He didn't say, I'm coming at you because I have all this experience defending my sheep. He said he was coming at Goliath in the name of the Lord. That is where our strength comes from. And we need to recognize that in our everyday lives.
the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the Shuraim road to Gath and Ekron. I feel like this story is one of those stories where you read through the story and you go, and David chopped off his head and they all lived happily ever after, the end. We just end it there, right? We just kind of compartmentalize and we think, okay, David slayed Goliath uh, and then, you know, later on, we, ju- we just kind of like skip that part and we just go to him, you know, and, and the, the cheers and the songs and the, he slayed his ten thousands and, you know, he's going to be the king, but then Saul gets jealous But there's more. It doesn't just end with Goliath's head chopping off. There's more work to be done. That's my next point. It's not over when our Goliath dies. Oftentimes, when we have struggles in life, we make that struggle the focus. We focus on Goliath. And when Goliath is killed, it's like, okay, all right, cool, woo, I did it. That's not where it's over. That's not where it's done. If you have some struggle or some impediment in your life, your one goal in life is to not overcome that issue. Say it's anger. Say it's pornography. Say it's whatever. Fill in the blank. Greed. It's not about overcoming that issue and being a better person and then hooray, you've made it. Congratulations. There's more work to be done. My picture that I had to go along with this was Billy Mays. <laughs> that's just where my, that's where my brain went. But wait, there's more. You know, if you call in the next 15 minutes, we'll double your order and you'll get two tubs of OxyClean instead, right? <laughs> but seriously, We make Goliath the end of the story. Stone to the forehead, head chopped off, hooray. We forget that there's more to be done. And so often, when I hear people talk about struggles they have in their life, they make that their end goal. And they forget that there's so much more to growing and to living than that. And I think the only real piece of guidance I have towards avoiding that pitfall is remembering it's not about the problem, it's about your relationship with the Lord. And I know that for me, I have had most success in conquering those problems when I've not been focused on conquering the problem, but when I've been focused on growing towards Jesus. Because ultimately, that should be our end goal. And then you're not tracking, you know, okay, step one of overcoming being angry is to be more patient. To be more patient, I've got to do, you know, I've, I've, so an exercise in patience, I'm going to drive downtown. Okay? Right? Right. And I'm going to make sure I don't go the wrong way on a one-way road. I did that one time. 
Fortunately, there was a police officer nearby who was very forgiving, and he put on his little lights, and he let me turn around and go the right way. It was a very embarrassing experience, uh, but I was very relieved because uh, my heart was pumping out of my chest. You know, it was like in the cartoons. You know, I, I, was, I was like almost shaken. I was like, oh, man, am I going to get a ticket? Am I going to get, oh, what's going to happen? And he more or less just looked at me like, you must not drive around here. It's okay. Fortunately, nobody's here. I'm going to do you a real good favor. Just turn around and go park over there. And I said, yes, sir. And I did just that. I was picking up Kim from uh, the library at Gannon University. And so she was outside watching me drive the wrong way. <laughs> and she was mortified. She was mortified. She didn't want to acknowledge my public existence at that point. <laughs> but she didn't leave me. She, she ended up getting in the car, and we spent, I, I, I don't remember what we did that day, but um, <laughs> yes, we did laugh about it, yes. And she made fun of me. Yeah, oh, of course she will. Yeah, that's, that's, that's obligatory. But it's not just about making those lists and, and working on growing more patient. It's not just about making those lists and staying away from those certain websites. It's not about making those lists and working on prioritizing your funds so that you're tithing more. It's not about changing your behavior. It's not just about overcoming those problems, those struggles. It's about getting closer to the Lord. Because when Goliath is slayed, when you finally overcome that struggle in your life, life doesn't just end. They don't send off fireworks and start rolling the credits just because you did something. That's not how it works. And you know what? Even if you overcome what you think is going to be the biggest issue in your life and that you think is your biggest, deepest flaw, I got a surprise for you. You're human. You probably have more. Just ask your spouse. Right? I'm not married yet, so I can't really speak on that, but I'm sure Kim could come up with a list. Or my mom, you know. There's so much more to life than our problems. And that's part of why I didn't make that the focus of today's sermons. And that's not to minimize your problem. That's not to say your struggles aren't real. That's not to say you don't need to grow in those areas or make goals in overcoming those. Those are all important and good things. But at the end of the day, what I really want to hit home is the story's not just about the giant. In fact, when we look at David's life, it started more or less with the giant, but really it started before then even. That was just one point along the way that we all remember, that we all punctuate, that seems significant. But there's so much more to even his story than that. Just like there's so much more to your story than whatever your Goliath is out there today. So I want to encourage you, when you recognize your problems, to remember, but wait, 
There's more. And it's not just more OxyClean. And if you don't know God in that way yet, let me tell you, it is the biggest blessing you can imagine to be tied with the Lord in that way, to be cleansed and forgiven for the wrong you've done, and to be one with your Creator, your Redeemer. And if you don't know that, if you don't know that peace, that joy, please feel free to talk to myself, feel free to talk to Mark, or Kelly, or Steve, or any number of people, really. Because it's not about me. But if that's something you would enjoy, the altar will be open during the last song. I'll just stand up here. Because that, that is what it's really about. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your redemption, for your grace. We thank you that there's so much more to our stories than our problems, than our struggles. We thank you for giving us the strength to walk in your name, for giving us the ability to rely on you and to be cleansed in your blood to be made clean, to be made whole, to be forgiven and redeemed. The strength to overcome those giants and the humility to recognize that there's so much more to life than that. God, I pray that you would be with anyone in this room who's struggling right now to overcome some barrier in their life. And we pray for them to have the strength to fight it, and the strength to realize that that fight is not all that there is in life. To recognize that you are the true goal. That you are the prize at the end of the race that we are to strive for. Lift these things up in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen.